my bottom was when my uh, my first child was stillborn. My daughter was stillborn. And what I'll say is my husband at the time, uh, her father, I had fallen in love with him when I was 12. And so that definitely ties into my childhood. You know, we were kind of in and out throughout our lives. It's been a lifelong journey for us. I think it's probably lifetimes of journeys for us. And uh, we got back together when we were 29, uh, got married when we were 30. I moved back to the Midwest for him. Um, I was living in the Pacific Northwest where I live right now, beautiful Portland, Oregon. I love it here. This has been my chosen home for 20 years. But when we got back together, I just went home for a quick visit and uh, met up with him. He had split from his previous relationship and it was just kind of like this, the story that we needed to finish. Thanks for stopping by the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm the host of the show, Sean Dustin. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. There are a couple of ways that you can help support the show. One of which is if you know somebody out there who would benefit, family, friends, from listening to the show or an episode in this show, send them over. I'd be happy to have them as listeners. Also, you can subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if I'm currently not available on the platform you listen to, send me an email and I will try to get added to it. I have merchandise available now, hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, and other items. This is another way you can help support the show and the show will get a portion of the proceeds. You can find direct links to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, merchandise, and anywhere else we are online at the bottom of the show notes. Go to the Linktree link, and that will take you to all the ways to connect to the show. One last thing is if you want to be a guest on the show, think you have a story that other people would benefit from listening to, you hit a bottom in your life that you want to share, hoping that other people don't have to go through the same thing that you did, head on over to the Linktree, go to my scheduling page, choose a time, fill out the guest form, and we'll go from there. Today I'm talking to Lori Rising. Lori and I met when I posted an ad for a co-host for the variety portion of this podcast. And of the four or five people that I interviewed and talked to and did a, uh, you know, 45 minute to hour long uh, trial episode to kind of gauge who I had the best rapport and chemistry with. Lori is the one I ended up choosing. So we ended up, we were talking for about an hour and 44 minutes, what it broke down to. So I decided that I'm going to go with Lori. And so today we are going to do a episode where uh, she will share with us some of her struggles in her life. And also, you know, uh, I'm getting a chance to get to know her as you are as well. So she will be co-hosting the variety portion of this podcast and uh, probably we'll have her on probably once a month maybe. So look forward to that. Uh, She's a podcaster as well. She has her own show, which is called the 
the Raw and Wild Hearts podcast. Uh, this conversation uh, that we just had is uh, really good. Uh, you'll enjoy it, and I'm sure you'll see why I chose her. So without further ado, let's get to the show. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, we are talking to Lori Rising. And how I know Lori is uh, we I put an, I put an ad out uh, looking for a co-host, and a few people responded, and she was one of the ones that I had really good chemistry with and was able to carry on the conversation for damn near two hours. And that's always <laughs> a good thing when you're a podcaster because, you know, sometimes trying to... Uh, pull teeth out of people to get them to talk or, or conversate is, is difficult. So it definitely was, uh, was a, a nice change. Also what we're going to be doing, she's going to tell us a little bit about her story, uh, it, that she has, but it's basically an introduction to her because she will be joining me on some of these episodes in the future, uh, talking about a number of different things. We're both single, both talk about dating. We're both in the dating pool. Currently, uh, I, I, uh, online date. I don't know. I'm sure that's what you do too as well. Uh, you can tell us about that, but uh, let's introduce Lori. Lori, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much, John Dustin. I'm happy to be here. Stoked to have that kind of chemistry. I do love to talk. Me too. <laughs> I think that's why we're both in the podcasting world, right? Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever uh, find yourself getting in the way of your, of, and, and not like, you're supposed to be there talking about your your guests and, and it just always ends up magically rolling a rider back around to you. You know, I the I think the last edit I did, I was noticing like, oh, and I think I it's kind of I don't it's not really a strategy, but I always have it in the back of my head like I can edit this out, but if if I bring my experience to the story, I think it makes it a little more dynamic with their reactions. And so I always end up making a lot more editing work for myself by doing that. But I do take a lot of stuff that I add to the conversation out just because we are supposed to be focusing on them. But yeah, I mean, I, that's my roundabout way of saying I have to check myself every once in a while with that. <laughs> but I love hearing people's stories, you know, and that it's, it's equally as important. And that's why I think I do it as well. Because I want to hear people's stories and I want their stories to be experienced for other people, you know. And so on and on we go, and uh, the stronger we get. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's an art form. Uh, you, I've I've had to you know kind of figure out how to hack my own behaviors and and tendencies of what I like to do when I'm on the mic. And one of the things that have really helped uh, kind of curb that, and and so the. Uh, whoever I'm talking to kind of has a little bit of a backstory on me is I just send them one of my episodes that I was a guest on somebody else's show and it just sort of gives them my story. So now you have something to pull from that, that questions that you may want to ask me because the conversation ends up being a little bit more authentic and flows. If you know something about me and I'm not the only one that knows something about you. Ah, that's interesting. I like that. I can always tell when guests have listened to my previous podcast or if they haven't, you know, if they decide to check me out once I've asked them to be on the podcast, then I can tell that they're like, okay, I got your vibe. Like I'm in with this. 
And the ones that haven't, like there, it's like you said, it's sometimes it's like pulling teeth because I try to tell them like, hey, you know, I really want to talk about serious stuff, but I want it to be light as well. Like I like to flow in and out. I really think laughter is medicine, but I also think our dark and our pain is very healing, you know, and liberating. And uh, I had this one guest and he was like, yeah, 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 no, it's fine. It'll be great. And I was like, okay, well, if you say something that you don't like, or if you cough or something, just repeat it and I'll edit it out. He's like, oh, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, it was not fine. <laughs> it was intense. <laughs> that was like uh, one of one of those episodes where it's like crickets were chirping most of the time. And I was like nervously digging deep within myself. I was like, where do I go? How do I move this? And I think that that's what you're saying. That's the art form to it. And it's really fun to like, even in those hard moments, find that creativity it's almost like a self-reflective therapeutic process. You learn so much about yourself in the journey of figuring that out. Absolutely. And another, and to kind of help with what you're talking about, another thing that I do is so that guest form that really serves as my backup. So, mm -hmm. and then, and then when I, and I don't send them one of my episodes, which if I'm sending him something that I did, like my first one I was sending out, but I felt like, okay, now maybe people might think that that's a cheap ploy for me to try to get listens on that one. So I, mm -hmm. I switched it to somebody else's podcast, not my own. And mm -hmm. so like, no, I'm not trying to help myself at all here. This is somebody else's, I'm a guest on their show. So you're, you know, that they're, they're getting that listen. And so once, yeah. and then once they have that and they do the guest form, so the guest form has all these questions that I can draw from if I get into the space that you're talking about where it's like, well, where do I go? Where do I go from here? I don't know nothing about you. So I've got all yeah. this stuff that I can just pull from. Oh, okay. Well, what about here? It says when you were a kid, you did uh, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So, I kind of like that nervous excitement though. It's like that you know, right before you start a big game or something, like it's kind of like do or die and you've got to figure it out. Like, I don't know. I think that kind of excitement rush is really fun. Yeah. yeah. And we always have the fallback of like, oh, we can edit. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So that's really nice as well. But um, no, I like that. Maybe I'll use this one to send out to people because I don't ever I don't ever tell them to listen to my podcast. I just think it's interesting to notice the people that decide to because when I invite a guest onto the podcast, I look up every podcast I can find about them. And I listen to every single one. I just listened to five in a row about my next guest interview. Wow. Because it's really, yeah, it's really important. And I did that not only to find out more about her, but I don't want to have the same thing that everybody else has. Like everyone had kind of the same format for her. And so she's saying the same thing over and over again. And she probably gets a little bit tired of doing that as well. So I'm like, all right, how can I make this more exciting and dynamic if somebody's going to try to listen to everything that she does? I want them to listen to something really like new and unique with my podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I can dig it. I, I, I see what you're doing. So, I got you. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about you. Let's 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 get to the meat of this. So you have a story, right? That uh, you can add to the bottoms and life struggles portion of of what uh, I do here. Absolutely. I mean, I think we all do. You know what I mean? Like we all have our story, and it all is important for everything that we are and every every way that we become. And so I think that that's what you know, that's why you're doing what you're doing because you believe everyone has a story. 
and you want to talk about it and you want to put it out there for more experience and more support for everyone else's story, right? So yeah, I have a story. I for sure have a story. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. Like, uh, should I just start from like, when I was born. Yeah. yeah. So when I was born, it was midnight on the dot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know all that info. I've got, you know, my star sign, my rising sign, my moon sign, if you want all that. So I would I would suggest pick a bottom or a time in your life when, when you struggled the hardest or that was the most defining for you, you know, and, and then if you have anything from your childhood that kind of played a part in how you ended up there that that kind of ties it together um but if you don't i mean not everybody has something from their childhood that that you know crosses over to when they're an adult and and is part of their is part of their story oh man Woo. how much time do we have <laughs> uh i have uh, till 12 30 i think okay yeah. um yeah i mean I I have a, an abandonment wound. I was adopted uh, as a baby, and I think that that informs much of my struggles throughout life, uh, for sure. You know, and I'm continuing to work through abandonment wounds and birth wounds and and things like that. So, and it really weaves into my story very very heavily. Like, I don't even know if everybody would be ready for that kind of <laughs> heaviness, you know, in in an intro. But what I will say is. My bottom was when my uh, my first child was stillborn. My daughter was stillborn. And what I'll say is my husband at the time, uh, her father, I had fallen in love with him when I was 12. And so that definitely ties into my childhood. You know, we were kind of in and out throughout our lives. It's been a lifelong journey for us. I think it's probably lifetimes of journeys for us. And uh, we got back together when we were 29, uh, got married when we were 30. I moved back to the Midwest for him. Um, I was living in the Pacific Northwest where I live right now, beautiful Portland, Oregon. I love it here. This has been my chosen home for 20 years. But when we got back together, I just went home for a quick visit and uh, met up with him. He had split from his previous relationship and it was just kind of like this this story that we needed to finish. We needed to see how it would become written out. You know what I mean? Like, And I think that that's what drove me to move back to the Midwest because it's that's just not my home anymore. This is my home in the Pacific Northwest. And so um, we got married when we were 30, uh, pregnant while we were still 30, uh, but almost a year later, I would say. And then when I was 31, um, we lost our daughter uh, at six months um, pregnant. And that um, devastated my life. It absolutely shattered me. It shattered him. Um, he has his own story, and I won't try to speak to that. Um, he, he's had a lot of loss in his life. And so we both had such a deep, deep, depth of sadness and grief with her loss. And it was sudden. It was um, very tragic. And it was uh, releasing her from my body was a very, very difficult process. It was a 10 day process, a two hospital stay process. It was, I, yeah, gosh, I haven't like spoken about this in detail in a really long time, but um, 
you know, she would have been my only biological relationship. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with my parents, my biological parents, and I didn't have any siblings. And so, um, losing her, uh, probably was the most tragic thing that I could ever go through, um, based on my history, you know, based on my own abandonment wound and, um, feeling like nobody had wanted me in my life. And I, you know, I wasn't wanted, I was given away. Why didn't they love me? Why wouldn't, you know, they want to keep me? That's like a lot of, I, I always wanted to work with adopted kids because of growing up with that narrative and that story in my head and believing I wasn't worthy or I wasn't lovable. And Dean had loved me since I was 12 years old. So of course I was going to see that through and try it at least, um, try to see how, where that love would go. Uh, so moving forward, um, I got very sick because they had left her inside of me for so long. And so I was very toxic and, um, my marriage was completely falling apart because of the grief and the pain. I probably cried every day for at least five years, probably. And, um, you know, it's funny. Just yesterday, I went back through my uh, journal where I was writing poetry after she, after after her loss, and um, I was reading what was happening in my marriage while I was falling apart because I no longer had my daughter, and I no longer had the life that I was uh, planning on and expecting, and. Two years later, we got pregnant again. It was a very long two years of trying to get pregnant and um, also going through the grief of, of not having her and her name's Dunia Eve. And um, then I miscarried that child and that broke us. Uh, we weren't ready to go through another kind of loss like that. We weren't strong enough. And so then along with losing my health, losing two children, I lost my marriage and um, it took everything that I ever I don't I don't even know how I lived through that period like I wasn't myself I was a shell of myself I was a shadow of myself and somehow I knew that there had to be something more to life than crying my eyes out every day for so many years and the only thing I could think of is that I needed to get back to Portland in order to find out if I could have a life where I didn't cry every day because where I was I was so stuck in that that story and that experience that I could not see any kind of healing happening. And it wasn't that I wanted to leave my husband. It was that I wanted to save myself and I still loved him and I still love him to this day and I'll never stop loving him. And we aren't together anymore. And it's been a very long journey of figuring that out for, for us. Um, and so I drove out to Portland when I was 34, I believe, and um, loaded up my two, my two cats and he kept the dogs and took my car and I drove out. And I just remember I was holding the steering wheel and I was crying. Um, I was crying so desperately throughout that whole trip. And I remember I would look at my wrists and I just would imagine on my wrists were uh, tattoos and one of them said trust and one of them said faith. Because I just had to believe that there was some kind of life that I could get to that I wasn't even close to being in touch with for so many years. And so after I got to Portland, um, I mean, 
this story is it's my entire thirties, you know, like of, of, of health of um, what's the word I'm looking for disintegrating health of like using all of my money to try to get my health back and get my life back and even try to smile again. It took years before I could smile again and feel like life was worth living. And so I don't know how many, I'm just going to show you, I don't know how many years it was, but one day I was trying on clothes in this uh, dressing room and I was like, I have to, I have to go get that tattooed. I have to go do it. And so I didn't do it on my wrists, but I put it on my arm where I tattooed trust and faith on my arm that day. So what I did is uh, when I came back out to Portland, I threw myself into, um, I'm a body worker. I do trauma-informed body work. Um, I'm now a pelvic floor therapist. I'm also a transpersonal hypnotherapist. I have a BA in psychology and um I do a lot of energy work and healing work as well. And I threw myself into working in fertility because I do with my body work. I, I do now, I do a lot of fertility work. I do a lot of prenatal work and postnatal work, um, especially with the pelvic floor. But I threw myself into that work because I felt like I wanted to help other women who had went through losses and miscarriages. I wanted to help them get pregnant again, have subsequent pregnancies and hopefully have living children because it's something that I was not experiencing. And I hoped that if I could help other people do that, that I could experience it as well someday. Um, or I could at least heal because I literally, I lost so many friends. I mean, I was, it was like I was a death version of myself walking around. I couldn't be with people. I couldn't be around children. I couldn't be around babies. I left all of my friendships that had children. And um, I was a, like, I was really hard to be around. I don't know how anyone stuck by me through that time. And Dean continued to try to stick by me. But I felt like I literally felt like I was dying. Like my physical health was so bad on top of the grief that I just... In a small town in Iowa, you don't get the support that you need in your healthcare world, especially when you're looking for a holistic approach. You know, I went to so many doctors, so many specialists. No one could help me. I was just hemorrhaging money to try to get help and to try to figure out how I could heal myself so I could have a living child. And so, you know, coming to Portland, I started getting those holistic practitioners that could start figuring out what was going on with me and that could start breaking. I mean, I was almost in the emergency room every day. I would lay on the floor and I couldn't breathe and I was so sick, but no one, no one wanted to get close enough to me to like care. You know, it was too much. I was, I was like too much. I was too much grief. I was too much pain. I was too much sickness for people. And so I was at this all by myself while I was still trying to salvage a marriage, uh, you know, long distance because uh, I wasn't ready to let him go. He's the father of my children. I'd loved him since I was 12. And so um, it took years. Uh, it took years. And we went in and out for years. He finally, he like ended things with me and got married to someone else. And that was like another death for me. It was like I was still in love with him. And he just needed to take care of himself. And so I became quite the alcoholic that year. That was my whiskey year, <laughs> which I don't drink whiskey anymore. But um, 
I seriously had to believe that he was he was dead because he wouldn't even speak to me. He started this other life and I was kind of left on my own, still working with my health care and trying to get well. And I was trying to date because I wanted to have a child. I wanted to have a family. I was in my 30s, you know, so um, I guess fast forward to now my career is built on helping women have children and it it bit by bit over years, like I said, this is my entire 30s that I went through this process. I was able to hold babies. I mean, I'm kind of like a newborn baby whisperer. I actually do craniosacral on them and somehow I hold them and I can know what they need and I help them, you know, with better breastfeeding rates. I help them sleep at night. I help their digestive move better. I help them have bowel movements and I just don't even know. It just like comes through my hands. So I have this like really special power with them. And now that I can be with them, you know, I can have my friends with children. I have a godson that is so precious in my life that I spend so much time with. And in those years, I never could have done that. And so I, I pushed myself so hard to do the, to do this work, to heal myself. It almost killed me. Like I almost broke and died throughout my entire thirties. And now I am at this place where, you know, we have finally ended our story. We just ended our story. I'm talking about um, my ex and I, we just ended our story about maybe two years ago. Uh, So that's a long story. And um, it feels really good to have that liberation from that because there's always this grief with us. Like we love each other so much, but if we try to be together, there's just like overwhelming grief that we can never like supersede. Like it's always kind of hanging out with us. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't think he's done his work around all of his loss in his life. And that was a problem because I wanted to do the work. I didn't want to cry every day. Didn't want to be that person. I love laughter. I am I like, seriously, I, I smile more than anybody I can think of. And I never thought I would smile again. So I think my tenacity comes from, I will push myself to get to that, th- to get to my goal. Like I wanted to enjoy life. I didn't want to live like I was dying, which I did throughout my entire 30s. And guess what that means? It means I never had a biological family. And that, you know, I'm going to be working through that for the rest of my life. But it's also not going to take me down. I'm also going to really enjoy who I am, what I've done, what I've brought to people, the healing and the work that I've been able to to offer to families and women and, and all all people, I feel like I've been able to offer that. Like, I'm going to live this life to the fullest. And I'm also going to be sad that my daughter's not here and my children aren't here. And I'm also going to be sad that I, it looks like I won't have a biological family and I'll never get that biological connection. I didn't have it with my parents. I won't have it with a child. And yeah, I feel like that's really unfair. And also, life is not we're not here to just have this fair life <laughs> you know life is messy and it's hard and um you know it has to be worked on and it i i just got this quote yesterday it was so good um from this uh i think she's a scientist susan susan something of course i don't have it in front of my face but it said something like the price admission to life is discomfort <laughs> you know the <laughs> The price admission to a beautiful life is discomfort. And I loved that because it's true. You know, there are times when I feel like, why do I have so many struggles? 
why, 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 right? That's very victim-y. But when I talk to light workers and intuitive workers, which I, I, you know, invite into my life because I'm one of them, they're always like, you go through the struggle so you can, you can help other people. Like you get it. You can empathize. You understand you're going through that experience and you can share that with this world. Like that's your lights and that's your star work that you're doing. And I'm like, God damn it. I didn't want to, <laughs> like, I don't want to be that. I didn't want to be the mother left here, you know, when my daughter's, you know, she's, of course she's around me. And so I think that I'm really grateful that I can be with the pain of what I won't have in this life, but I can also be with all of the things that I will have and all of the things that I am. And I can smile and I can laugh and I can appreciate the earth and the beauty. And even in the chaos that we're in right now, you know, all of these experiences have prepped me for what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? Like when you go through that kind of pain, when you go through a death of yourself, especially when you go through the death of a child, you know, a a true death of a child, I think that you're prepped for anything that comes your way. I can never imagine going back into that shell of a person that I was for those years, you know? So I think, I don't know, I, maybe I'll wrap it up there. <laughs> we answered that's the question. My, that's my bottom story. <laughs> I have lots of top stories though, too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I have, so, I mean, I have a little bit about me. I don't know if, if you knew this, but I have a uh, daughter that my, she's, 20 now. Yeah, she was born uh, in 2000, so she's 20 years old now. I don't really talk to her. I, I'm I'm friends with her on Instagram, but her mom uh, had my rights terminated when I was, you know, going through my drug drug addicted phase, and like I could have I, I I could have showed up at court and contested it, but I mean I was busy partying, and I you know convinced myself that she'd be better off without me anyways, and so like I I, I have that, and so I. It, it bothers me sometimes, but I mean, I've, I've done my due diligence to try to reach out and, you know, Hey, you know, if you want to, you want to know anything about me or whatever, fine. I, I'm just like leaving it in her court. You know, I don't want to like be pushing like, well, are we going to meet yet? Or, you know, or, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird situation. And, uh, like, but with my daughter that I have now, like, I'm super, super vigilant about like how good of a dad I am because it's like I have this void over here where I screwed up and, and, you know, let something that was, you know, let something that I'm, that most people, like I took for granted. I took that for granted, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so I, I, I really try to, to do my best with my, uh, my daughter now and she's almost three and, uh, man, the one thing that I'm, well, well, I'm just going to say one thing. The one thing that I learned about having a, a, a child that I never, that I, that I didn't know, like I was going through life thinking that I, 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 you know, in my past relationships that I, you know, loved them or been in love or, or anything like that. And the one thing that I can probably say is that I, I, I had love for them, but I didn't, I didn't understand what love was until I became a parent. I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. understand what that feeling was. You know, I mean, there's, you, you think, you know, but you don't know until you, you actually have, uh, somebody that you're willing to do anything for, you know, like anything. 
And, uh, so yeah, it kind of like made me start making me think like, Oh, maybe I, you know, maybe I never have loved anybody in my life other than myself and, and, you know, uh, parents, you know, uh, siblings, stuff like that. But I mean, like, uh, the op, like somebody else, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it was a, uh, some stoned edible talk. I don't know. <laughs> love is a, love is interesting because I think that we experience different types of love with every love that comes into our life, you know, and you don't know how high that can go until that love comes into your life. And you're saying that's your daughter. You know, it doesn't mean that you didn't love anyone before because you probably loved them with where you were at and what you had available to love with. And then your daughter comes in and that elevated, that that rose the that raised the bar so high that you didn't understand that that was even capable, that you were capable of that kind of love. And now you have that kind of love. And who knows, maybe you'll feel a, a love at that level again. Maybe you won't, you know, and maybe you'll feel a love in a, in a different way again. But I think that's the beauty of love. Like we can look at everybody that we do have love for in our lives and it's, it it doesn't negate the fact that it's love. It's just they're different experiences of love. Huh. That's a good way to put it. I didn't think about it. I don't know. You know, I think with my dating and I think that this is really, you know, I'm in therapy because I'm, I, there's a lot to work on, a lot to unpack with everything that's went down in my life since being adopted. And I think with my dating, like I worry that I loved my ex so deeply you know, he's and especially because he's the father of my only children, even though they're not here, they were my only children. They were in my body. You know, they were created in my body. And um, I just think for a long time, I think he held, you know, I kept that emotional cord with him for so many years, even when I dated other people. Like, I don't think there was any room for anyone to, you know, break through that cord or get that, get enough of my heart because he had so much of my heart. So I'm really grateful that we've been able to um, play that relationship out and play that emotional um, tie out where I feel like we now have freedom. Like now I have freedom in my heart for someone uh, to, to, to get that kind of love for me. And of course now we're quarantined. (laughs) Now I can't even actually see anyone. Yeah, for, for, forced celibacy is what I've been calling it. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been through plenty of like chosen. So I feel like I'm born again once I actually get to be with somebody because I didn't date for ten months because I was dating my podcast before this went down because I started my podcast and that takes so much time. Yeah. So now I'm like I think I'm going to be born again by the time I actually touch someone again. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's another, I mean, that's another, uh, uh, a tricky thing too. And I think that's, uh, this will lead right into why I, I chose you, uh, to talk to and, and be a part of this, uh, journey that I'm going through. Uh, one is that you're kind of, you're a little woo woo. Okay. I'm not going to lie. You're, you're a little woo woo. <laughs> oh, I'll own my woo woo. I'm all about my woo woo. And I'm also super like country girl grounded, but go ahead. But, I'm starting to, uh, you know, I know that there's something about energy out there. There's something about the universe. There's, there's so many things that have happened in my own life that I can't, that can't be explained by anything else, whether you want to call it God, you know, Gaia, whatever, whatever your fucking term is that you want to use to call it, it, whatever, but there's something to it. 
and like a lot of, I just can't deny it. And so in, in reading some of your, your stuff on online when I was researching you a little bit, um, I, that kind of was what drew me to you is you, you have that, you, you believe in that energy and, and, but you're like that squared. Like you're really, really into it, you know, like, <laughs> but, but there's something to it. And so I like that. I, I like people like that, you know, um, and also the dating aspect of it, because you definitely bring a different take on, on dating than I would probably ever bring, because I'm one of those guys that I don't know, man, when it comes to, when it comes to dating, I mean, I'm very open about what, where I'm at and what, what I'm willing to give. And, and, and it just doesn't seem like as honest as you can be, it, it, it doesn't they always women always seem to want to try to change you still like i can like i can you know i can break past the friends with benefits uh uh gate and that they think that they can do with me i there was one i just you know that I was talking to recently and uh it's the same thing it's like i'm available for one thing and you know, I mean, we can hang out and I'll give you everything of me when we're hanging out. But after that, I'm a selfish person when I'm trying to accumulate my goals, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, all right, I'm not willing to sacrifice not having sex. Fuck that. You know what I mean? I like that connection. And for me, it's Uh fun. And for sometimes for women, they just can't do it that way. You know, that well, some of them can, but some of them can, but I haven't been able to find, I haven't been able to find them. All right. The ones that don't get attached that don't like, are you being honest with what you're looking for though? I think it comes down to that. I think so. I, I, I'm pretty sure I am. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I, I don't hide behind the fact that, uh, I send them to my first episode. If somebody I'm going to start talking to, I'm, I, I send them to my podcast. I say, "Hey, go listen to this. You may not like me, uh, and I and this will just be a really quick. You know what I mean? You can get a you can get an hour an hour dose of of me, and you can tell right then if you're going to like me or not. And you know that way it'll save you time. It'll save me time. I don't want to have to fuck around and 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 deal with any of the the back and forths. <laughs> right, but are you telling them that you're not available for more than like? You know, momentary connection. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to call it momentary connection, but you can call it sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've, I think I've been pretty, pretty, uh, I mean, you, you actually have to use those words. Like women need to hear exactly where you're at. And then, yeah, there's still going to be some women that think, oh, but if we have this connection, like it's going to, you know, change what he wants because he's going to feel, cause women are, women can be really fluid that way, you know, like, we can like move with a connection and if we wanted one thing, but if suddenly our hearts and our estrogen and our um, oxytocin get pumping, we're like, oh, wait, maybe we want this thing. Like maybe this could be good. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's like the difference, like women are much bigger multitaskers than men. You know, men have a goal. They, they, they have the one goal. They're focused on that goal. They're going to do that goal and not a lot can sideline them or um, sidetrack them from that. But women, we have like all of these things because we're multitasking all the time. So we can like be pulled from one thing to the next with ease. Like that's a generalization. Of course, everyone has their own personal experience and boundaries and hopes and expectations. But 
honestly, I think if you if you really put that out there from the start, like, hey, I'm a busy dude. I've got a lot going on. I still really enjoy connection. So if you're down for momentary connection, and it doesn't mean it won't, it will be the only time. It could be more than once. It could be for a while. Like, I mean, you're basically describing what I would take on as a lover. I just had a lover. He was my last uh, person that I was seeing before. So what, 10 months ago is when we stopped seeing each other. And we were both just really honest in the beginning. And he was honest too. He's like, so this is just going to be fun, right? But we really dug each other. Like we had such an awesome connection and it was so great. And the sex was incredible. It was so freaking good that there's moments in my in my woman brain <laughs> that I was like, maybe I maybe this should be a relationship because we laugh together. We have like incredible sex. Our sexual chemistry is off the charts. Maybe it should be a relationship, but he never went there because he had the one goal in mind. You know what I mean? He was like, no, this is like, it's just for fun. Like, you know, we're not going anywhere deeper with this. And my brain was like, maybe I should go deeper. But then of course I would like be in the situation and I'm old enough and I have enough experience that I'm like, no, I don't want that forever. Like, I don't want that as a relationship. So we, we had a fantastic love affair. So I think if you use those words, like words are really powerful. So if you tell women, like, I'm looking for a lover and like, do we need to define that? Like, I'll define that for you, you know, then uh, women still might try. They still might like grab hold a little bit. It's, it's really, and this is so important. Uh, and this is what I think men don't understand about women. There's so many, you know, there's a lot of things that women don't understand about men. Men don't understand about women. But our estrogen and our oxytocin like floods our systems. And those hormones can be like really mind shifting. <laughs> they can make us feel kind of cray cray, right? It happens. I just had my period this week. And, you know, I went through a day of like only wearing my robe and not getting out of bed because like my hormones were making me sad as fuck. But it's the reality of being a woman, right? Yeah. I, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it is what it is. It's a, it's a constant, it's a constant, uh, like just trying to, like trying to find your person is just, it's the hard, the older you get, the harder it gets because you, you've oh my already, God, I know you, you have all these experiences and wisdom of what you don't want or, you know, things that have failed in your past. Like for me, I have I what, five, five failed relationships. Uh, and most of them were probably because of me. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit, you know, that has to do with the other, uh, the, the other parties, but I, I would, I would venture to say that, yeah, it's probably me. It was me mostly, you know, and not being, well, that's, I mean, that's amazing. You're like owning up to, to, you know, your part in, in what happened. So you're owning up to it, but are you actually learning from it? Like, are you actually applying some lessons for your next relationships? Are you just saying like, yeah, it was probably me, but now I'm still looking or did, are you actually looking at like, what was it? What was your behavior in that relationship that maybe led to its demise? Yeah, I've, I've done, I've done some of that, the personal growth work and looked at my own anger issues and how I responded to, to things that would cause some of the problems and the issues that, that I was uh, dealing with. But that didn't, I mean, that still didn't stop the, uh, like the, like, I still have that same, uh, I don't know how to explain it, man. I don't, like, I don't know. The behavior. No, it's just, it's, it's like, as far as, like, I always, 
always felt like there was like there's like like I'm settling, you know what I mean? Or like there's something 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 coming down the road, you know what I mean, that I need to be ready for because, you know, whether or not, you know, this person gained weight or you, you know what I mean, wasn't what I was looking for body-wise or you know, there was just always something and and so I just So you got like the grass is greener mentality. Yeah, it's all it's the way it's always been. And so with that would always that that got me to thinking even more about okay well then maybe is it that I'm I'm addicted to sex or the chase or everything that that revolves around that you know what I mean because once I'm once I'm there it's cool and I'm having fun and you know I've made connections great sexual connections with people but it just I don't allow myself to take it any further than that cuz mm-hmm. it's like cuz it's like all right well I've got what I'm trying to do and, you know, you're just going to, it's going to, you know, I'm, I think it's because I'm not settled in my own life and, and my own path of where I want to be mm-hmm. that I'm not willing to like settle down with somebody that doesn't fit what my idea is. I don't know, man. It's so crazy when it comes to relationships. I, I suck at them. That's why, that's why I jumped at the opportunity to talk about relationships in a, in a, you know, with somebody else with the opposite sex who's in the same situation because my, my, my take on is way different than yours. Yeah. I have to ask, I was going to ask this before. Are you a Pisces? No, I'm a Sagittarius. So that plays a big Sagittarius. part too. Sagittarius. Yeah. I'm the, huh. I'm half, half man, half uh, animal. The archer, <laughs> the hunter. Yeah. Well, I'm an Aries. We got a lot of fire going on here. (laughs) Have you ever, did you notice when you, um, when you, cause Portland is more of a wet climate. It's uh, closer to the water, Midwest, Mm -hmm. far away from the water, hotter, uh, or or colder or colder. I don't know, depending on where you're at. Uh, but Mm -hmm. what I've found is when I lived in Vegas and, and, uh, Phoenix, I did horribly in those climates. Like, just my yeah. life, my life mm-hmm. was, was like not balanced, a lot of trouble, a lot of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, I just, I don't know. It was just, it was different. too much heat. Yeah. It's, it's too, much, too much fire. It's too much heat. Yeah. And as soon as I came back to the, uh, to the, to the close to the coast in California where I'm near the water, life just kind of like got better. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if there was something yeah. to that or not. Oh yeah. I think absolutely. Uh, I mean, water is very healing in the first place. But I think people that really resonate with water that, you know, you have to be near it. Like that's always my first thought when people are like, Oh, I want, you love the heat. Why aren't you in the desert? And I'm like, no, no, no. I love the heat, but I love the water. I love being by water when there's heat. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the two have to be in balance for me. And I mean, for me, my like witchy baths, like they are an absolute must. I have to, I have to be them. Yesterday was the new moon. So of course I was in my witchy bath last night crying like I do because I like to let those emotions out and then waking up today and feeling great. You know, like I need that water fix. I need that, that, that hit, I guess. Yeah, I have it Mm -hmm. right. I have it too. So uh, if you go all the way to the back, there's a levee and then behind that levee is the water. Nice. Yeah, no, I actually grew up on the water. My parents had a a little lake house 
And so I've been doing water sports my whole life. I'm actually very, very much an athlete and I was a professional water skier. And so now I am big into surfing. And so I haven't surfed for a year and it's killing me because I was in a car accident and I couldn't surf for a long time. And now we've got this going on and yeah, I cannot wait to get back to the water and get, get back on my board for sure. Yeah. I'm not, I, I tried to, I'm a water person too. I have, you know, I had boats and I have two jet skis now that I take out all the time in the summertime. But I mean, I tried to, to, I was water skiing, single skiing, double skiing. Uh, uh, what is that other one? Wakeboarding. Uh, and even, I even, uh, tried to do the, uh, wake surfing, which I like a lot better because when you fall down, it doesn't hurt as bad. <laughs> the, the wakeboarding is just not that wasn't my cup of tea man you had to go too fast and i i made the mistake of watching a youtube video before i went out once and uh yeah ended up getting a concussion you try to do a flip yeah yeah i tried to do something that, that ended that was a, a a fail for sure yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't i don't i don't fuck with that anymore but i do love to be on the water the jet skis are you know they're perfect for me so yeah nice so what what uh what what did you what did you kind of envision when we were when we were going to talk about doing uh something together I know we had we had thrown around we'd thrown out a couple of different ideas but they just sort of like seemed like they would have been way too involved for our our time to to be able to put into something yeah. I mean, I, you know, we talked about like trying to do a co- like a coronavirus or a COVID dating game, which I think was a great idea. I still think it's super fun and I think it would be great, but it is a lot of work to put that together. And I think we're both hustling right now and we're, you know, putting out content. And I know I have like 5,000 projects in the mix that I'm trying to get done during this time before I do go back to work. And so it just seemed like, that was a little overwhelming. And as a, and we both did this, which I didn't know we were, but kind of as a tester, I did a, a Zoom date last week or the week before. Um, cause I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just, cause there's this guy we've been on each other's social media for a while. And I dug like what he's doing. He's homesteading and he plays music. And, you know, I was just like, Oh, maybe I should, uh, should now I should, I should check him out and I should make this a date and see how it goes. Like I wanted to take a shower. I wanted to like dress up for something, you know? So it just gave me kind of this excitement of like, all right, so I'm going to try this out. And then I asked him if I could record it. Cause I was like, well, this could, it could be a cool podcast. You know, this is what I did during my quarantine and I did this date and I recorded it. And then I was like, no, <laughs> no, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I kind of lost my, you know, as fire signs, we get really excited about projects and we get really like into like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And so when you and I were talking about it, we were like, yeah, this is going to be so great. Like, let's put out the, you know, let's get on the, the online apps and let's put out a, a call or whatever. And then if we don't see, like, if we don't feel that a return is happening on it, then we just lose interest. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's what happened for me with that because I did that date and I was like, nah. like it's not dynamic enough for people to be really interested in listening to something like that. Like I think it would still be fun because you and I approach dating in such a different way that if we like got all these applications together and then we were like 
having one person that we were setting up with somebody, like who would you set up with them and who would I set up with them? And then if we compared those two dates, I think that's the fun part of what we were talking about. Like because we're approaching it in such a different way and then to see what, you know, person A the the common denominator person how they found how they felt about both dates and then we could have like bantered about like how, why we picked the person for them like what we were seeing that would have matched up and what you know what we didn't see in the other people like i thought that was the dynamic part of what we were going to do yeah 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 there there was a definitely a couple of different ways we could have went about it but in the end, it's, you know, time uh, definitely would have had a lot to invest in that. And, and I think that maybe it, it might be able to come to fruition uh, down the road. But I think talking about dating and this, just having a, a variety uh, portion of this, you know, we, either we talk about dating or we talk about, you know, current events or whatever it ends up being. It just brings a little bit of a lighter side to uh, what I'm doing because some of these, like the next one I'm getting ready to release. I mean, man, this story was really hard to, to listen to. And then to see some of the pictures that he, he sent me of, of, you know, where he was, I was like, man, you know, in between that, you got to have something lighter or else, you know, people are just going to come to your show and just be bummed out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here. I mean, I agree. I, I, I understand because in my show, that's what, if I have like two serious episodes in a row, I try to put in something lighter. Because I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Like life is really hard for everyone. You know what I mean? And so we're all kind of working with our shadow and working with, you know, what's coming at us. Like even just, you know, with quarantine and physical distancing and it's a lot of change. And so listening to other stories can be really helpful because we can see ourselves in those people or we can, you know, grab glimmers of hope and light if we're going through something like that. But I think you also need to have, you know, the lighter part that like creates even a bigger hope and, and um, I don't know, a, a balanced, a more balanced expectation for people, I guess. And people need to laugh. Yeah. You know, even when they're going through really hard stuff, I think it's really important that people still laugh. Like when I was going through some of my darkest days, I forced myself to watch Arrested Development and it didn't necessarily make me laugh at the time, but it actually distracted me enough and put me, put my like mental health into a light enough place to deal with so much heavy and so much dark and so much crying. You know, so I, I completely agree with you. So if I can be that like lighter insert that you're doing with the heavy shows, like I'm stoked to do it because I am smiling a lot and I am laughing a lot. And this is, you know, where I want to be in life um, after, you know, 10 years of, of dark and heaviness. Like I'm in, I'm in for the laughter, even through the hard stuff. I'm still going to have hard stuff. We all are, yeah. you know, like we have to embrace it and open up to it, but we can also laugh. You know, we can also create those endorphins in our body that help us work with the dark a little bit more. True, true. And I, and I also think you'll challenge me too. Uh, and, and, you know, because maybe the way I look at things in dating isn't, isn't the right way. Maybe how I approach, you know, this or that, you know, just because it's in my head and I've been doing it for so long, it seems like it might be the right way. But, you know, I'm, I'm always up to, you know, being challenged. I'm not married to any idea for, for sure, you know. If uh, I'm doing, something. I love being taken out of my box. Yeah, for sure. I I can totally agree. So, hopefully, 
that's what we're going to be presenting to you coming down in the future. Some of these future episodes, uh, there's, there's going to be a ton to choose from. I, like I was just uh, telling her earlier, I, I have by the time the, the first of the, the May 1st comes around, probably having in the mid thirties of what I'm going to have, uh, to put out and work on. So. Definitely won't be yeah. a shortage of wow. content for you guys out there to listen to. Some of them may not make yeah, it. Sure. You know, some of them might just get, you know, uh, shoveled over to the Patreon page and, you know, bonus content, you know, cause not, not that they're not worthy of being, uh, on there, but it may, there may be some stuff that, you know, is, is, uh, similar to, to something that I just released maybe two weeks ago. So I'm not going to want to put too much of the same stuff, uh, on, on that. So, well, we'll see. The great thing about podcasting and, and getting into it the way that you and I did is that it's ours. My show is my yeah. show. I can, I can do whatever I want with it. You know? Yeah. And if, if it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, you know, you can't make everybody happy, but I mean, I do take, I do take suggestions. Oh yeah. My mom just, uh, just last night I was talking to her. I listened to your latest episode and I already knew, like I could tell she was going like dark with it. Right. And I was like, Oh yeah. What'd you think? And she's like, well, why in the first, why did the first interview have to be like, fuck, fuck you and fuck this and fuck that. And I was like, okay, let's calm down a little because that's not what happened. (laughs) She didn't (laughs) say fuck you. And I was like, you know, that's how she was getting her point across. I, it's not for me to censor anyone. However, anyone wants to speak, they're going to speak, you know? And she's just like, well, I just don't understand. I'm like, well, that's okay. You don't have to understand, but they're not you. You're you and they're them. And so, you know, you're, you're not going to please everybody. There's some episodes that she absolutely loves, but believe me, she'll tell me her opinion about all of them. But I love, she's one of my biggest fans and yeah, yeah. that's fantastic, you know, but I, I love the creativity of it. Like, I feel like I have, I have like in or invoked this creative force in me that was maybe a little bit asleep for a while, you know, and it's like, there's so much creative avenue, like so many creative avenues to go through. Um, I was stoked about the episode I just put out because I was laying in bed one night and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do it like that. So I just changed the format completely up. And I felt like that was really much more engaging for listeners and it would keep them more excited about the episode. It was so much more work for me in the editing room, like such a bigger process. But in the end, I was really stoked on how it came out. And I had never even thought about doing that. And just one night, it's like once you start like moving your brain in that creative uh, like wheel, things just kind of come and they pop up. And I love how I'm doing new and innovative things and like um, not being afraid to tackle them, you know, like and I think that's when you're saying this. The thing about your podcast is it's yours. Nobody's telling me what to do or what not to do. And so, you know, it's just the only person that would stop me is myself. Yep. And, you know, I'm a fire. I'm, I'm going to do it. Like if I think that the goal is going to be good or the end goal is going to be good, then I usually go through with the, the torture yeah, of yeah. the work, you know? For sure. For sure. <laughs> and you're going like you're doing like a freaking eight interviews a day, like six to eight interviews a day. I don't even know how you do that because they take a lot of energy. Well, the, the what made it easy was... Um, <sighs> I got my, I got the, uh, it was the, this, the link tree 
the link tree simplified so much for me because now I can just send you, I can send somebody there to, you can either listen to my story, decide if you want to be on my podcast. You can check out my podcast. You can go to my scheduling page. You can check and see if my merchandise, you can do everything about me, my Facebook, everything that you, everywhere you can find me is in that, is in that link tree. So once and where I, do you use the link tree? Uh, I, instead of send like somebody says, Hey, let me, let me show, give me, uh, your email address. I'll just send them the link tree because there's a link to it. It might, it'll take you directly to my email address. There's a link that'll take you directly to my Twitter, all my social media. There's, uh, my Facebook, my scheduling page, my, you know, anywhere that you can pop, I'm, I'm at it. It, it you can just go in there and look. And so yeah, it makes I need it, to, that's gonna, yeah. Go so, so when you're trying to, to tell somebody, so like, my only days that I'm available to do these uh, interviews is Thursday and Friday. And I left it open all day long. And so now when people, they just go to it and they just schedule a time. And depending on, you know, how much they've filled out, I mean, I've already got your information. I've got your email address, uh, although I'm not collecting email addresses, which I need to start doing. And I don't have a website because all that costs money. And so the one thing that I, that I was talking to a guy who uh, has been in this space for a long time, and he's like, you know, if, if you're going to spend any amount of money right now, the first thing that I would tell you to do is go get your website, go get a website and start and start uh, collecting email addresses or, or, you know, building up an email list. And he's like, and then the next thing you need to do is give somebody, uh, uh, give somebody value in wanting to go to your to your website and then get their and, and be able to collect their email. And so whether it's uh, you want to offer them a 20 page Kindle book for free that you wrote or it's something that you can give away to them for free that is from you that will bring them and, and give them some value to want to give you their information. Yeah. And so I'm working on my e-guide today. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, that's awesome. I, I got to write and I fucking hate <laughs> writing. You know, I don't like writing at all. I, I'm a good writer, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm good at writing what I want to write. I don't, you know, necessarily like if I can, I was telling somebody, if I can get a ghost writer to just like follow me and, and listen and, and just take down all my stories and put them all together for me, put it into a book <laughs> and sell it. And then and, and you, you do all the work and, then I'll, and yeah. I'll take a little, I'll take a little bit of money because I want to make something. It's my damn story. But I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm lazy like that. Yeah. Well, writing takes a lot of energy because I've been doing writing and podcasting and I think that they both take energy, but podcasting is a little easier because it's like, it's fun and easy to like sit here and have a conversation and have a back and forth. And I love the interview process. It's so like, that's if it wasn't for this, obviously I wouldn't be doing it, but the writing, like you're sitting there putting in all the work for a really long time, hoping for a return. You're not getting the, you know, the immediate return that a conversation has like the interview has. And so it's just a whole different beast, Yeah, you know, and I'm working on that right now and it's intense. So I'm going to have to do it at some point, but I'm not looking forward to it. Like I try to write copy for my, for, you know, uh, my intro. Cause I want to have something that I can just, all right, I have it. I just need to insert it and then I'll, I'll do a small snippet recording of you know the guest and introducing so i'm trying to like shorten my intros and my outros to keep people engaged because somebody goes dude your your shit is way too long in the beginning it took me five minutes to get to the damn episode <laughs> yeah 
I usually, I think I have a five to seven minute intro, but that's like, you know, talking about the episode, that's introducing the people, that's talking about, you know, whatever, you know, usually I'll throw in something about a past episode or something like that. And then I have my actual intro as well, like with the music and like who I am. Mm. I think about that too. Um, But a lot of people have, like when I listen, there's a lot of people that have those long, especially if they have sponsors because they have to do the ads for the sponsors, you know. Um, Who is it? Is it Dax? I listen to Dax Shepard a lot and maybe his intro is like crazy long. No, it's uh, Russell Brand. I think his intro is like so intense. Like sometimes I'm just like fast forwarding and I'm like, when am I going to get past this? (laughs) Sometimes I'll listen to them. But if I really just don't have the time, like I think everybody can fast forward. Like I get it. Like you want to be listener friendly as much as possible, but you also have things to get out to the world as well. And I think that's your opportunity to get those out. Because I keep my outro like really short and sweet, you know, and um, I do more at the intro because that's when people have more energy to listen, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's a, it's, it's, there's no, there's no right, right or wrong way, man. It's just a matter of, of finding, finding your group and getting them to engage yeah. with you. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's an organic process. I mean, like all these guys, I mean, the, the, the like for like, the listen for listen, the follow for follow. I mean, that's great to get your numbers up, but I mean, how many of those are going to just follow you and then, and, you know, they're going to go back through their, their list and then pull you out and they got you. I've seen that happen yeah, no, quite you, a bit. I, I've never done any of that because you have to look for quality. Like, you know, if you do the research, like even on all those podcast pages, I've stopped, I've kind of stopped inserting my you know when they're like oh put your podcast on here i'm like these aren't the people that are going to listen to my podcast they're not looking for new con they're not looking for something new to listen to they're we're all here trying to like promote our podcast so those aren't your listeners so i never have done that like for like thing because i'm like you're not really interested like i want the people that are really interested that are gonna explore my different episodes and like they're gonna tell somebody else about it because it really impacted them and made a difference and, you know, if you're just, you know, doing one listen, you're not the person that I'm looking for. So I need to spend my energy in different ways, finding those people that really care, that really have the time and they're looking for something to add into their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, I, I like the way you think. That's why you're here. I mean, it doesn't happen fast. <laughs> no, that, that doesn't. <laughs> this is- it is not a fast uh, moving process, but that's where the patience comes in. I just constantly am telling myself like persistence, persistence. You know, I know it's good content. I know that this feels right to me. Like, and I know that there's abundance for everyone. And sometimes it takes a long freaking time to find it. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. not like it just happens. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm always listening to those stories of people that have huge followings now. And, you know, in the beginning, like they worked their ass off. And I feel like I am, this is the hardest I've probably ever worked in my life for something. And so I'm not going to give up. Yeah, when you yeah. work that hard for something, why would you give up? Like you keep going, even if it doesn't happen on your timeline. You know, we're such an immediate culture. We want things to happen quickly and perfectly and immediately. And, that is not life. Life is messy and it's not perfect. You know, I was just listening to uh, this doctor yesterday because I've been doing a lot of like coronavirus uh, research because I, I want to be prepared, number one, for me and my friends and family, but I also work in healthcare. So it's important to me. And um, 
I loved what he said because he was talking about an antibody test that's that's going out now that's different than like the actual corona test to to see if you test positive or negative because there's a lot of false positives or false negatives. I can't remember which one. Anyway, with the antibody test, you know, one of his, you know, he always gets people that are commenting and thousands of people are following him and there's always the people that throw something, you know, difficult or a harder question in and somebody's like how can you be you know um, promoting this test it's not FDA approved and blah 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 and like something else about it and he's like you know what no it's not FDA approved yet like it's not to that level it just came out and nothing's perfect if you're looking for something perfect in this coronavirus situation you're not going to find it none of the tests are perfect none of the you know medications that we're even coming up with yet are perfect. The ventilator usage isn't perfect. Like you're not going to find it. And so we have, I started thinking about that. I was like, what is it about our culture that we expect perfection? You know what I mean? Like we trust so much and we expect perfection out of so many things. Like we're, I think we're, what we're really learning here is fluidity and adaptability that we didn't have before. Because we are so rigid, like, no, this is the way life should go. This is the way it has to go. And it's like, we just had this expectation, like, why should we have to be in quarantine? Like, that's not how life is supposed to be. We're supposed to have our freedom, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a second. Where did you come up with this perfection in life? Because we're organic beings. This is organic matter around us. Like, shit happens. You know what I mean? Like, so I I don't even know where I'm going with that, but it's been this like really big thought process that I'm like, cause I just wrote this piece about humanity. And so I'm really looking at like, where, why are we expecting so much perfection in our lives? And I can apply it to, you know, growing my audience for my podcast. I expected perfection. I'm like, no, I'm putting out great content. Like why are, why am I not getting the numbers that I should? And it's like, <laughs> wait a second, why do you expect that? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So did you, uh, speaking of Corona, I had an episode that I put out. I think it, uh, it was about, uh, Jake Cusdy and he's an inventor and it's, uh, something in addition to, uh, it's blood oxygenation and, and in conjunction with the, uh, ventilators. And uh, it's actually a really good episode. Um, check it out. Was he talking about the red blood cells? Well, he's talking about oxygenating the blood along with, uh, you know, cause the, when the, when the, the lungs start filling up with fluid, they're not able mm-hmm. to, A, get enough oxygen into the bloodstream, but also the carbon dioxide is not being able to be expelled as well because you're having a hard time breathing. So you're creating toxicity within your system. And then you oxygenating the blood is helping with the, uh, uh, helping take some of the pressure off of the lungs and the ability mm-hmm. of the lungs to have to, to work so hard to get oxygen. And then also used with a uh, immunal, uh, a small dose of immunal uh, suppressant keeps the, because the, the, the infection, the reaction to the infection is actually what's creating all the the fluid and the, and the phlegm and everything else in the lungs. Right. So it's the cytokine storm, but yeah. that doesn't happen to everyone. Because I just did an interview with a doctor yesterday and we talked all about this because we were talking about the fear language, the fear language around this because, you know, we're hearing like, oh, 
okay, so it's the cytokine storm, which is like an immune response. Yeah. And so the immune system is attacking itself and it's, you know, and this is going into the lungs and the respiratory system. And then we get lower levels of oxygen because the oxygen can't get into those red blood cells. And like, there's this whole process, but it's not, but that's what I want to say is it's not happening to everyone. Most cases clear up on their own. Most cases have mild to moderate symptoms. The cases that are severe develop the cytokine storm. So I just want to put out there that not everyone is going to develop the cytokine storm, you know, and so we do have to look at that. And so what he had come up with was a a quick way to retrofit an already existing, uh, and this is for the people that are experiencing that. So like the, the worst of the cases, the people that are on the ventilators and everything else, that he's developed a, uh, a, a retrofit to an existing uh, blood oxygenation machine and also a, uh, what was it? It was a, uh, a kidney dialysis machine. So you, you retrofit this dialysis machine with this piece of equipment that can be installed in 15 minutes and is, you know, readily, you know, the, 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 uh, the, 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 H, the dialysis machines, there's tons of them in these hospitals. So, uh, yeah, he's trying to get it, uh, FDA approved. It, it, it's just, it's, 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 is he a scientist? Is he a doctor? No, he's an inventor, but he's working with a bunch oh, of, inventor. yeah, but he's working with a bunch of doctors and you should listen to the episode. I mean, he's trying to get, he's trying to get more exposure with this because he's talked to Ben Carson, uh, and they just kind of like, eh, you know, cause they got a lot of stuff that they're probably getting thrown at them right and left, but this would be a quick way to, uh, kind of alleviate some of that. Uh, uh, and save some lives um, because of, you know, the oxygenation and everything else uh, and the immunosuppressant. Well, right. Well, I mean, if you have to use a ventilator, what happens is the ventilators are usually what's causing the death yeah. because the ventilators are putting too much pressure into the lower lungs and they're not, the um, alveoli aren't strong enough to withstand that pressure. And so then we get blood clots and we get organ system failure. I, I mean, I'm going to say right now, I'm not a medical doctor. I do work in the healthcare field and I've talked to a lot of people about this. I've been doing a lot of research. Um, but what I taught my, my interview yesterday with the, with the doctor that I'm putting out next week is about how do we help support your immunity so you don't become a severe case. So that's, you know, we're, we're focusing so much on like when we get that cytokine storm and what's happening, like getting the ventilators and doing all this, well, there's huge side effects to the medications that they're using at that point and the ventilators. But I love that he's coming up with something that could hopefully counteract the, um, you know, the destruction that the ventilator might, might do to the lungs and the oxygenation is what it sounds like. So yeah, I'll absolutely listen to that. But I think it's important to look at how do we, because a lot of us are going to contract this virus, you know, over the next two years until maybe a vaccine's, you know, we don't even know what's going to happen with a vaccine. But what we need to look at is how do we support your immunity so that you have a strong immune system so that you're in the mild to moderate cases so that you don't become a severe case. And I think that's important to be talking about that for the majority of people, you know, especially while we're in um, physical distancing where people can be working on their immune system in various ways um, so that we decrease the severe cases. You know, the less we have those cases going into the hospital, the better for everyone, you know, for the hospital workers. But I love that there are people that are, are really working hard to change this. And, you know, that's what the thing is. We have such amazing like minds and, and inventors and people that can come up with 
fantastic things, you know? And I think that's, it's really important that we look at that because in times of war, people create anything that's needed to defend the country. And this is a time of war, but we're not, our government's not looking at it like that because we're not having to defend our country, right? And so I think it's up to more of the people like who you had on your podcast to be defending our people because it isn't a time of war, but it's a different type of war. You know what I mean? And so that's great that you got him on and he's talking about it and I'll totally listen to it for sure. All right. All right. Well, we are at an hour and 12 and, uh, I need to skedaddle cause I got, uh, actually got to eat something real quick and, uh, move on to the next one at one. So go ahead and plug all your places, uh, where people can find you, your podcast, and then, uh, we'll sign out. All right. Uh, so my podcast is the raw and wild hearts. And my website is www.therawandwildhearts.com. Instagram, the raw and wild hearts. I make it pretty easy. <laughs> Just get on that raw and wild, get on the raw and wild hearts and you'll find me somewhere for sure. I'm on all podcast platforms, you know, the usual. But, you know, my website is probably the most central where you can find everything on that, on that, in that place. And if you didn't catch that, it'll be in the show notes. So you'll, you'll, you'll be able to find her wherever you need and she'll be back. She'll be uh, coming back here uh, on a regular, hopefully, maybe once a month. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. Or how the yeah, schedule yeah. works out and, and, and what we, we're able to do with it. But this is a great start, and that's usually where everything uh, needs to begin. Just start. Yeah, I just got to plant a seed. Yep. Now we just got to water that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> All right, Lori. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and talking with us today, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Sean. All Have right. a great day interviewing. All we'll right. talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show and thank you to Lori. That was a great conversation, man. I'm glad you uh glad you were able to stop by. We were able to take care of this and uh I'm looking forward to having you on the show. As always, you'll find all of Lori's information uh in the show notes. You'll find my information in my link tree, and that is at the bottom of the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Also, Don't forget to check out Lori's podcast, the Raw and Wild Hearts uh, podcast, which can be found on the rawandwildhearts.com. The last thing I have is if you're on Facebook and you want to be a part of the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast Facebook group, go ahead and go to the link tree and go to the Facebook group tab, answer a couple of questions, and you'll be in the community. Uh, I engage in there. I also ask questions, uh, post pictures of stuff that I do, you know, dogs. You can find all of our uh, episodes on there too. And when our guests give free gifts or uh, free eBooks, stuff like that, I'll always post them in there. And until next time, keep it 100, stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. (laughs) 